Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Now, live from Chicago, the Hal Sparks radio program mega worldwide. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Hal Sparks, your comedian and multimedia personality. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hal Sparks. All right, let's do this. It's Saturday, and it's Johnny Million. How are you, Johnny? Yeah, I'm good. How are you doing? I, I'm all right. Did you go for a run this morning? Uh, did Heck you no. did, in the in the snow with the? Is it snowing there? Is it? It's rough. It's right? like snow globing. You know, it's just like all floating. Oh, around. oh, okay. it's, that's that, just, which means that's just holiday snow, snow, which I hate. Oh yes, right. That's the one where the end of your nose is screaming like yeah. this, like. Like, I understand what cold is, but that's a biting kind of thing. It's like a little cold demon nipping yeah, at I your nose. I yesterday and uh, instantly regretted it. As soon as I stepped outside of the door for my four-mile run, I was like, okay, yes. three miles. Hey, forget it. Um, yeah. Um, we, you know, obviously, I, I'm in Vegas right now. After, after I finished the show, I hop in my car, drive to L.A. to do the uh, unpresidential debate with Frangela, Eliza Skinner, and, uh, and myself. And then um, Chris Bono, my dear friend Chris Bono, our oh, old friend Chris, Chris Bono, is moderating it because they couldn't find anyone who knew less about politics. And <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, I honestly think that's the him. choice point. That's the, yeah, that's the, the, I think, honestly, that's the choice point, And I think it's genius so that we can all kind of explain it for people who aren't in the bubble. Right. I think that's actually a great idea. We should pick, you know, how you know, like, uh, and by the way, God bless Jay Leno as he heals from his exploding classic car. He, yeah. Um, I mean, I uh, wish just that burns on friggin anybody. Oh, my. No, word. he's going to be OK. He's going to be OK, but it's going to take some time. He's not it, it wasn't life threatening. He wasn't in you know, he's not going to lose his eye or anything like that. They were talking about he had to have some minor skin grafts, which is a lot. It's a big deal, but he'll be fine. Um, bless his heart. But remember when he used to go around and Kimmel does this, too. Uh, it's kind of been a regular gag for a long time where you basically like ask man on the street people political questions and ju- and laugh at how shockingly ignorant they are. Right. Yes. You know, you've seen many of those. I think that's who should do the debates. I think the moderators of debates should be the winner of the stupidest person in the man on the street competition. Like they oh, should yeah. go out and. You know what I mean? Now, you can't tell people or they'll try, but just offer it to them after. And they, you know, they like then then the the either either person can't just speak to their base because they'll completely confuse the moderator with jargon. <laughs> it's a theory and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. Um, I don't know where it's I got that idea, idea, but I love it. Um, that said, let me see if I can, I don't know why, uh, Johnny, your, your, uh, your moniker is not showing up on screen for some, oh, oh, there it is. I think I figured it out. I'll figure it out. Uh, because as long as Twitter lasts, I match Johnny right. on Twitter. We've only got, yes, we've only got a little bit left now. Um, obviously on Mastodon, by the way. Oh, excellent. Yes. I am at Hal Sparks at Mastodon dot so, or dot world. World, yeah. world, and I'm yes. Johnny Million at Mastodon World. Excellent. It's a it's a good server and not at all stuck up. And uh, 
for those of you that don't understand uh, how Mastodon and those kind of things work, real quick, um, unlike Twitter, which w- which is its own like gated community, or Facebook, which is its own like uh, like Elysium, it doesn't take up space on Earth, but it is its own locked environment. Mastodon operates on like zip codes or area codes. Mm. You're still available to everybody else. You can call somebody from one area code to another area code. You can have them in your connections, in your contacts, and all that kind of stuff. It just, they just oh, house their Jesus Christ. account. Um, what did Hal Vickery do just now? I'm, a, I, didn't, I can't see it yet. He's double downing because, oh, his vertigo kept him in the hospital last week? Oh, dear. And then he's flying, and so he won't be around. Thank you so much, Hal. But vertigo oh. sounds like a living nightmare to me. Yeah, it is not fun. My dad had it really bad after his hunting accident. Um, was his because hunting accident. You don't know this story. I don't I, think I, so. How old were my, we? Uh, not. It wasn't too long ago. It was about fifteen years ago. Oh my! Um, he he was hunting in the snow, and he. Um, they were going up a, a hill and like the terrain was a little wonky and he slipped and put his hand out to, to his side and the snow was way deeper than he thought. And a twig went into his ear and punctured his eardrum like uh, like like something out of the end of Star Wars. No. Yep. And so he had to have One in a million surgery on it. Doc. Yep. And he has a hearing aid on that ear now because of it. Um, oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah, he's had one for a long time. Uh, and he it's waited 15 years to tell me. Yeah, well, I, I thought it might shock and upset you. Yeah. And normally, normally I I tell you all shocking and upsetting things immediately because I like right to watch your gate. face. But we yeah, weren't hanging out as much back then. The time. Yeah, but we weren't hanging out as much back then. That oh, was, true. That yeah, was, that, that we was during... Nope, that was during the dark times. That yeah. was the time... That was... Uh, uh, BJM before Johnny Million. That sounded weird when I did <laughs> the letters. So weird. And kind of nice. And kind of naughty. I like it. Perfect for Christmas. All right, let's right. get on with the show. By the way, we've got a radio show happening. Yeah. We got. By the way, hi chat room. Hi everybody who's out there. Philip Itner will indeed be joining us for the second hour. He's in Kiev. Um, lots going on there. Holy smokes! A gas refinery in Saint Petersburg. By the way. One of the ones that would uh, you would be responsible for venting gas out of the Nord Stream pipelines. Where is your sound effect? Oh, that's it. It was <laughs> there. It is so. Um, one one of the places that would be responsible for that, where all the technically capable people have been scooped up and sent to war for no reason. Um, what that's one of the sites where if they wanted to get all the backed up gas out of there, um, they would have to have tech like technicians there that could make sure they could do it without the place exploding. Yeah, those people are all gone and it exploded. It's a giant uh, get like pipeline. Um, I'm not going to say gas again with it, Johnny. Um, that he did that himself. Radio land. Um, yeah. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Well, he doesn't have to. He's doing this from home. Um, the only he just has to apologize to the cat and move on. Now, um, and, and we all thought she was gross throughout in the past. <laughs> or she's just been like, yeah, I know I'm an animal, but come on, dude. Right. Yeah. 
I bury my poop as a that it's built into my genes. Right. Get a dog if you want that kind of nonsense. <laughs> um, so um, the, the we'll have a lot to talk about in the second hour, no doubt. The big story breaking this morning, besides the uh, boring blather fest that Donald Trump unleashed on guests at Mar-a-Lago right. last night, where he was like clamoring that he will not partake. I will not partake in this. Witch hunt against me. I will not. I'm six years. It's been going. It's unfair. Life is unfair. I was born on third base. That means I hit a triple in the womb. Therefore, this stuff is supposed to happen to poor people, not me. Turn those machines back on. We built this exchange. All right. Um, Besides that, which uh, we can cover, but God knows I covered it yesterday on my live stream. If people want to go watch. Uh, I actually commented just, on that. I tried to listen ugh. to the um, to the rebroadcast of it, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Uh, and I, and the, I asked in the comments if you made it all the way through. I did. I always do. I because I'm I will impressed. not be accused of taking him out of context. He always takes stuff out of people. Always take things out of context. They take the one thing he says wrong, and then everything else is genius and pure and good and smart and too clever. And they don't want you to know how it's great ideas. So they just cut this little part out where he said and then they air that over and over again. And it's like he's the whole thing was like that. And like no, I watch. The whole thing, the whole thing was like that. Yeah, indeed. So, the big story uh, is that in the New York Times this morning, former anti-abortion leader alleges another Supreme Court breach. So it turns out that in 2014, on the uh, Hobby Lobby decision, which is about uh, birth control and insurance provided, because it was like one of the anti-ACA cases that they were putting forward, and the. Um, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of Hobby Lobby that uh, apparently that decision was leaked at dinner with a couple of right wing, uh, you know, anti-choice activists who've all who who apparently always have like um, like box seats for uh, all of the religiously based arguments at in the Alito and Scalia courts like they've been they sit up there like. The, you know, the old Muppets and go, ah, and uh, apparently they, they get, yes, and they get to, uh, I guess, have dinner with Alito and others afterwards and go, oh, okay, how would you, how do we fix this? How do we, you know, obviously because of the darn constitution, you couldn't make it the way we wanted it. So how do we fix that for you next time? Well, if you want to send a case up to us, it'd have to look like this and it'll get by everybody. And that's basically how it worked. Like they're basically that that you know how there was a spy since we're doing a Star Trek uh, Star Wars reference and and we'll loop it back to that. Um, You know, how there was a spy that apparently leaked the plans to the Death Star that eventually were gotten by the Rogue One crew that got to Leia and all that kind of stuff. Apparently, the this the the person with the inside scoop. In this case, the Death Star is everyone's rights. It's a weird analogy, but work with me. <laughs> the one who leaked the the story about the vent port was indeed, uh, you know, someone up in the Scalia and Alito camps. And in this particular case, and we'll talk about it on the other side. Um, this is a, a former anti-choice activist who's had a you know a return to real Jesus moment, uh, leave orange Jesus, come back to real Jesus, and. 
and this lovely family ironically called the Wrights. We're going to come back after this uh, this break. It's the Hell Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on WCPD Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk. We'll be back. Welcome back to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Welcome back. So um, I guess it's no surprise that um, the 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 story about like when when the Dodd decision was leaked, there was a little bit of like, oh, uh, oh, how dare they? And this assumption that it had to be one of the liberal justices. It had to be somebody clerking from one of the liberal justices because they were going to try and pressure the the Alito, you know, Thomas, uh, I guess, uh, Amy Coney Barrett cabal that, that they have there to borrow their word into changing their mind before June came around, yeah. which no, but which was never going to happen. So that was a flat out absurdity. Um, and the idea that they would like that somehow like threats upon their life even would change this part of it, especially considering how they, these are what they believe is, believe is like a, a biblical mission in their life. Oh, Not yeah. that I this think they're their, honest about it. It's their end game. Yes. And it's the story for their whole family. It will set them up with a certain swath of humans in this country forever. They will always be known. You know, it's a great way to pad your kid's nest, you know, feather your kid's nest. And your grandkids' nest and your great grandkids' nest. So um, apparently, there was a couple. Um, the I want to say Don and Gloria Wright. The ironic aspect that their names are right when they yeah. seek to take others away is pretty hilarious. Um, but this guy um, uh, Shank, who they interviewed for this piece used to be one of these activists. And he was the guy who basically hooked them up with Antonin Scalia and, and uh, justice Alito. And they became, you know, dinner guest friends to the point where, and this is when this is from the New York times article, when the hobby lobby case was argued before the Supreme court in March, 2014. um, Yeah. Hold on. Let me put this up here. Uh Um, Yeah. um, Seats in the courtroom were reserved for guests of Justices Scalia and Alito. Um, We were invited to use seats from Nino and Sam. She had written to Mr. Shank days earlier using nicknames for the justices. Wow. This woman called Antonin Scalia Nino. That's a little cozy, I would say, for a for for a SCOTUS. I, I at the very least. If you're going to write sketchy, hey, I've got the inside scoop emails about how close they are, you could go, we we invited you seats from Justices Alito and and Scalia. And this is quite exciting. You know, like at least use their full names. Uh, I guess people were new to email uh, <laughs> in their minds. OK. In the interview, Mrs. Wright said she used such seats all the time because oh. Nino and my husband. Because Nino and my husband were very good friends. She was eager to hear the Hobby Lobby argument, she added, because she had an interest in, quote, all cases related to biblical issues. Her ties were the result, in part, of years of effort by Mr. Schenk. There's a little lovely picture out of, of Don and Gail Wright from Centerville, Ohio. 
Um, and they've got this Operation Save Our Nation thing that they were a part of. Our mission, to bring the word of God to bear on the hearts and minds of those who make public policy in America. Now, that's a very distinct choice piece of language, to bear on them, meaning we're going to put the fear of the godly, if not God, on these people. Now, I'm going to uh, take a moment to center Johnny Million because oh, did I move? No, it's because of the article. No, it's because it's because the article. I moved you. It's not your fault. You've done nothing wrong. I don't want you. There you go. That's better. Don't worry. Go back to what you were doing. I, got I don't want you to feel bad. Yes, you do. Um, so, um, anyways, the the fascinating part to me is how casual this whole thing reads. This is the the scariest part of it. Is just how like. They were just shrugging off conversation. Imagine, like you and I, honestly, I I really can't imagine having gone to law school with somebody who's now a Supreme Court judge or something like that. Yeah, like that seems nice. absurd. Mm. Um, but at the same time, even if I did, even if I'd known them all during school, once they were on the Supreme Court. Like even a president, I might call by their first name or a nickname because. There's a certain element of like on the level with a president, even yeah. still with the office. You like respect the office, but you still have your friend. With the Supreme Court, it's a little different because their deference, any deference, can be read as favoritism. Okay, this is Schenk, uh, this story about Schenk. He had a lo- he had long been an ends justify the means anti-abortion provocateur. During the '92 Democratic Convention, he plotted a stunt to accost former uh, future president Bill Clinton with an aborted fetus in a container. He was repeatedly jailed for blocking access to abortion clinics. He helped pay Norma McGorvey, the Jane Roe of, uh, of the 73 ruling establishing abortion rights, for speaking appearances later opposing the decision. Um, she later said she had been paid to lie. But no matter how much attention those tactics yielded, Roe v. Wade, one of the most consequential decisions in the past half century, stood in the way of efforts to end the right to an abortion. Historically, the court does not like to get too far out ahead of public opinion, and justices do not lightly overturn longstanding precedents. So in 2000, Mr. Schenck launched Operation Higher Court, an attempt to reach the justices directly. Um, and uh, oh, cool. this, not at all, yeah. Um, and this is like, they go back into his story, Um but the 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 story is in many ways about the the rights this couple because um he get he you know through this okay here we go he encouraged his donors to become patrons of the court's historical society four of them including the rights became trustees giving at least an estimated one hundred twenty five thousand dollars record show that helped him draw close to the society's executive director David Pride by the way the, this whole article reads mm-hmm. like the Lawrence Fishburne storyline in Deep Cover. Like buying wow. drugs to reference. work your way up. Yeah, to work your way up to the big boss. Like it's, it's crazy. It's like so, because it's so mercenary. You know what I mean? It's not like, wow, I found myself because we care about the same things. He set himself on a mission that was further down the road than the people he was trying to get close to to manipulate them. That helped him draw close to the society's executive director, David Pride. In September 2011, Mr. Pride took Mr. Green of Hobby Lobby to the Chief Justice's annual Christmas party. What? At Mr. Shank's request. In an email, Mr. Shank described Mr. Green's parents, already faith and action donors, as potential big givers to the society. Family is worth about three B, three billion. Mr. Pride responded, saying he would escort Mr. Green into the party. He added, uh, by 
uh, by any appendage he would like. Um, he added he would. Uh, I kid it. I'm kidding. He should consult about what you might like me to promote on your behalf to Mr. Green. Do you have a particular project or or the like that you'd like me to talk up? Or the like that you'd like me to talk up? Or should I just extol your many virtues to him? A few months later, Hobby Lobby owners began discussing about joining efforts to overturn the Affordable Care Act's contraceptive mandate. Uh, Pride now retired, says he was happy to help Shank do some fundraising with the Greens. Um, Ultimately, what happened and how this rolled out was that the rights ended up at a breakfast or a lunch with Alito and then... While they deny directly being the ones that carry this, all of a sudden, emails started blowing up between them and other people that the that the Hobby Lobby decision was going to come down on the side of Hobby Lobby against the ACA and against contra- the contraceptive mandate. Which, again, considering Thomas has kind of um, picked up Scalia's scraps around the as far as his connections in the justices um, with these particular groups, because he was always kind of in tow behind Scalia. It was a very strange Mm -hmm. relationship they had. He almost said nothing the entire time Scalia was alive um, and in terms of, uh, you know, documented stuff. He he basically picked he got all these connections once they were gone and. It, this may go a long way towards explaining, you know, Ginny Thomas's descent into madness. We didn't hear much about her, so she might have always been crazy. But yeah. um, but especially now, it makes sense that she's basically surrounded by these kind of sycophant religious right, um, you know, when at all costs, uh, anti-choice, uh, you know, anti-freedom and anti-gay rights uh, groups. So, uh uh, and I, this is so weird. Don and I have been invited to a private party in Virginia to celebrate Nino's 80th. She wrote to him in January 2016 email referring to Justice Scalia. Lunch with CT on Monday, Sam on Wednesday, dinner at court on Monday, dinner with Maureen on Wednesday. These are both justices and people that work for them. She wrote in another email, Mr. Schenck understood CT and Sam to be justices Thomas and Alito. She referred to them by their first names in other emails. Scalia's widow is named Maureen. Uh, Alito appeared to know Miss Wright's views well enough to recommend she attend a lecture at the court by Kelly Shackelford, the president of the uh, First Liberty Institute. Um, this whole thing is how they've grown over time a lock on on how this court will rule for a generation if if somebody doesn't end up stepping down in the next couple of years, which, by the way, they very well may. We're not, you know. Some of these folks are getting a little long in the tooth. I, I, I think they're all looking to Ruth Bader Ginsburg as their symbol of hanging on. But some of them might want to enjoy a bit of the good life that, the you know, even if their stuff gets overturned by, mm-hmm. you know, stepping down and, and parading around free of the, the lim- what little limitations there seem to be on their behavior while in the court. Um, you know, that's a slim chance, but a possibility. That said... Um, I would like to remind everyone of this, uh, this entire thing, and I would recommend everybody read this article in the New York Times, and I tweeted it out uh, if, if Twitter still exists. We have to check moment by moment. Um, I tweeted it out. It's worth a read because it's, it, it, it's as shocking as unshocking as it is. And 
I would like to remind everyone that this indeed is your inspiration every single time the presidency comes around and the Senate for that matter. Anytime, uh, you know, the, the control of the Senate uh, or the ability to run the Senate even smoothly without interference from people um, comes around. This is the story I want people to think of. Not, am I, what are the policies that are supposed to inspire me this time around? Because I got news for you. Most of the policies that are meant to inspire you are relatively short-term solutions to stuff because of how quickly society changes and how quickly technology is changing. But the long game stuff gets borne out in this area. And all of these problems, had we known in 2014, I think this would have affected the, the Clinton election. Because it would have been abundantly yeah. clear how they were going for the court, but the you know, but going forward, remember this: that this is and this strategy isn't dying now. This isn't just because they've been found out in one New York Times article doesn't mean that these people who are you know ballistic missiles on a on a mission to destroy the rights of women and and the LGBT community and poor people and anybody on the margins that they could shove out of the way. Um, I, I got to say, like, that's your inspiration. I got your inspiration right here. This right is the Health Radio program, Mega Worldwide. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the House Sparks Radio program, Mega Worldwide. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Joe Biden. What? Happy birthday. That's right. The president to you and many more. At least 10, maybe 15. How about 16? We'll figure it out. But at least definitely six. Um, Yeah, today is Joe Biden's birthday. He is 80 years old, oldest president ever. Um, Mr. President. If 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 you trust, uh, you know, calendars from the 1800s, I suppose, because there's a bunch of those dudes who are running out of F's. What do you mean? When when he is um, when he's questioned by. Oh, yes. Right. During a press conference. Yes. Yes. He has zero. He's, He's got he's got less than zero F's. For, for the deuces of the world. Did you see that? I saw one clip where somebody was like, so what do you think about uh, Trump, who's still got a pretty powerful political influence? And he, and he said, oh, does he? With like yeah. his little sarcastic grin, like, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's because, you know, as much as politicians will go back and forth about, um, you know, uh, my polls and our polls and we're trying to do this and we got to stay in there and we got to, you know, um, that we need everybody to show up and stuff. They they do see the real story. If you see them really worried, there's a real reason why they're worried. And if you see them relaxed when everybody else is panicking, there's a reason. And right. one and it is amazing to me. And I think the greatest gift that the press could give Biden right now is to recognize that if the polls they were reading were so wrong about the election, about the red wave, and that the Republicans were going to seize control of both chambers by overwhelming majorities, and they were going to just, you know, act as a, a, a dead stop against the entire agenda of the Biden and, and, you know, and those turned out to be so wrong again that maybe, just maybe, 
The same polls about Biden's popularity are, you know, are just as wrong because they were done at the same time. Who will pick up their phone. Right. The same time by the same people. Um, If the if one part of the poll is massively wrong, then it stands to reason the rest is wrong. So anyways, congratulations uh, to the fam and happy birthday. Um, And uh, okay, so (laughs) the Alito announcement yesterday of uh, of, you know, Jack Smith, who I said was a great improvement over Jack something else that vaguely rhymes. And Jack Smith Um, does sound almost uh, vile. Yeah. um, You're in charge of two things right now, Jack and Smith. And Smith left town. Um, There's been a lot of like, oh, come on. Why? Then died, died, died. All right. Um, I got news for you. Um, The... The, the the one thing you know about Trump is that while he can't afford lawyers of his own, the RNC to cover their backside and others around them will throw some decent lawyers at him if they think he's going seriously down. And those people will go, this is being run by an appointee of his political rival because he is running for office. So to stay away from that, the appointment of a special counsel in this situation, by the way, not an independent counsel, I would like to say for the record, like. Merrick Garland still has a say in this. This is not one of those things where, you know, they're creating some sort of their own version of the Durham report. This is, you know, this is regular guidance by the DOJ because it is coordinating a lot of investigations, many of which are too serious to just go, you you handle it. It's about that guy. It's not about that guy. It's about national security. And it's about graft and and the attempt to overthrow an election through violent means. Those things aren't things you just Mueller report to some degree. Mueller, like even the the Mueller investigation was less about the presidency of Donald Trump and more about the campaign of Donald Trump. Could you or could you not prove that they were in cahoots with Russians or that Russians were manipulating them to have an impact on the American elections? Mm -hmm. Uh, by the way, it, it, nowhere in the report does it say no collusion. That that doesn't happen. Like it just never happens. But he says it again and again and again, and so much so that his his you know his Kool Aid followers will go no collusion, no collusion, like on a, like a tick. Well, the Mueller report again being about the campaign and the and the campaigner versus the president. And his connections after the fact, because once he's in the office, he gets a backdoor to Russia that he can use and he can keep people off of it because he can say it's for, you know, need to know basis and stuff. So it's really hard to prove past that point now that he's out and he's making deals with the Saudis leading into his next election cycle. I got news for you. The man has basically rung the dinner bell that he'll take all comers. Last time he did the Russia, if you're listening thing, at this point, he's like, anybody who hates America, anybody who likes my America in decline speech, the, the, the vault is open. Start chucking bucks in. He's just for it now. And, and there is an element of, He'll try to move all his soft, you know, small donors to the campaign where he'll use that for basically a PR campaign to kind of 
help him fight back against the the legal cases he's in. And then the super PAC will still gather money from dark money mega donors that can just throw money there that will pay his bills. And this deal with the Saudis helps plug some of his financial holes during this time. Now, there's a lot of reasons why it it can very it can and more than likely will fall apart not you know and that it's not as big as they tout it as being because it's essentially him just slapping his name on a project um he's not a part of the actual ownership of the buildings or the the project itself it's just a labeling exercise like everything else they do in the trump organization these days um and it would not be surprising if Trump or Dubai suddenly shows up and becomes the de facto um, headquarters of the Trump organization. Now, will that bite him going into the presidency? Absolutely. Will he care? No, because he doesn't want to win, people. This is not about it. Like I've said many times, the guy is going to drop out more than likely February, March, by the latest, the spring for a myriad of other like all the way third partying it and mess everything up. Nope, nope. There's no way he third parties it. He like it's too expensive, and he's not going to take over the forward party or some garbage like that. It's just not happening. So he's gonna. It'll be health reasons. It'll be they're after me, and I have to take time to. They're attacking your favorite president, and now I have to. They're threatening to throw me in jail, so I have to fight this, and I can't do both things at once. And yeah, and yeah. by the way, it will correspond with uh, with essentially every aspect of um, his legal case falling apart and his donors drifting and his support falling off. It took about 35 minutes for Republicans that used that were like ride or die Trump supporters to go enough is enough. We're done. The, the the editorials started being written before the speech. Yeah, I believe because they knew what he was going to say, and they only greenlit him because anything could have happened. He could have come up there and said, "I can't run because of this," or "I'm the exploratory committee," which is basically what he's doing. I I would argue that's what this is. Then and, and he'll probably take in. They'll argue with the Ivanka's um, all like, retired from politics. Oh yeah, she's out because they made their they made their money and they made their connections. They're gone. And she doesn't want to risk that, right? And the, and again, she's trying to salvage the Trump name after Pop passes. Use the name Trump as a glitz and glamour name like Kardashian, but shorter and more to the point. And if it's Ivanka Trump and she's this glamorous sort of princess after the rotten old king goes away, that's not the first time that's happened on Earth, kids. That's not the first time that that as a business model has been put forward. And so don't be surprised if if that's the salvage act. Don and Eric are done. They're they're going to be attached to the failing properties and be selling them off to people and and just, you know, big game hunting and pretending to be rich and spending what's left of the fortune before they die. Um, Ivanka and Jared, however, are you know joining these you know they've got his family's wealth however sketchy and they've got you know her name and the money they made while they were in the white house they don't need it anymore so um this is this is going to be fascinating to see it play out but 
the speech on Tuesday was bad. It was flubby and fumfering and it, it was ridiculous and he even brought up his whole like execute drug dealers nonsense and that every drug dealer which would include like every weed dealer in the country has 500 dead people in their wake like it's just absurd it's extra like just it's it's such a childish like 80s cop show view of reality um but even beyond that the his second follow-up last night where he was like, you know, raging against the special counsel was uh, he tried to go back over a couple of things. He said that he screwed up like he said that we'd had peace in the Middle East for four decades, for decades and decades and decades. Is what he said because of him. Um, yeah, that, which is absurd and silly. And he was lambasted for it. And we all laughed heartily. He tried to pick that up, like basically do. Um, you know, some pickup shoots for them to like sausage together the first speech and the second one, which won't match because it didn't have the same amount of flags and a different backdrop. But will his followers care? No, because they'll add echo and piano music and they'll slap the thing together and they'll be like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life. He's done. He's done. They know it. The, The question is, can the Republicans shed him soon enough to have a shot going into 2024. My bet, no. Nope. He's going to he's going to shiv every candidate they have and his own followers are going to turn on them, splinter the party and and result in a a a, a marathon win for Democrats in 2024. We'll be back right after this. It's the House Park Radio program Mega Worldwide on WCPT Radio Chicago's Progressive Talk WCPT820.com and of course live streaming at infotainmentwars.com. Come on, subscribe. We're we're getting there. We're we're like 43 and a half thousand subscribers now. We're making it's some insane. headway. It's amazing. I know. We'll it's be back. Practically 52,000. It's uh, in Trump land it's 85. Yeah. <laughs> Just double it. Attention. Attention. Stop what you're doing. Because we're coming back to the Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. Oh, my God. They went a little crazy with it, and I appreciate it. Now let's get back with Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. Now, I, I have to say um, that um, the the rigmarole around Twitter, the, you know, Trump kind of grabbing the mic and uh, it Kanye style at that event last night and going, I'm going to let you finish. But I just want to say that Donald Trump's presidency was the greatest presidency in the world and in, in the Donald Trump of presidencies um, yeah. that it, everything is a reboot right now. Everything. Like they're tra- he last night he line for line said the the thing about people coming across the border they're murderers they're rapists yeah. they're they're bringing crime and he you know what he did you know what the only difference was you know what the only part of the reboot reboot was because sometimes in a reboot they cut things off they recast things sure they re- he recast some people he recast the good people he dropped that part. He dropped the good. He thinks that the lesson from 2016 was 
I shouldn't have said that. And some of them, I sure I'm sure are good people. Yeah, he's he that's no longer true. Also, he has uh, Trump math is no longer working where you just double whatever the bad number is and cut in half whatever the good number is. Um, he's now doubling the doubled number. And the problem oh with that is, is that the lie was already ridiculous, but people who supported him in the MAGA world will, you know, if you tell people it's like 4 million people coming across the border because there were, were reported 1.36 million crossings. By the way, um, only 41% of them were first timers. The majority are people trying again and again, which means not only are they coming across a second time, um, they're coming across a third, a fourth time, which means the number of actual crossings ac- shrinks even further because it's not just that one one person counting is 50 percent. They now count as a 25 percent increase over the original crossings and then a 15 percent and then a 5 percent. The more these people try and fail, the higher the number of crossings gets. It's the people that get in that is going down. And yeah. Trump's real problem is there are. And and he knows this because Mar-a-Lago hires undocumented workers. They're, they're, the, he's friends with all these Texas businessmen and these New Mexico farmers and these Idaho farmers who hire, you know, undocumented workers so that they can pay them under the table, depress their wages yeah. and undercut the wages of, of locals who would work on the farm. He knows there aren't that many people coming across because if that was true, there wouldn't be a shortage of employees everywhere he goes. Yeah. Because everywhere he goes, it are you know sycophant-run Republican-led businesses, go, you know, created by friends. Because he doesn't go anywhere anybody might push back on what he says. So he's surrounded by people who are going, you can't get good help right now. Why border wall? Right? <laughs> They're like blaming the, or the CPB. Um, uh, yeah, Jane says he also hired undocumented workers to build Trump Tower in New York City. Yeah, and he's, you know, and he's mobbed up through the wazoo and Rudy Giuliani and blah, blah, blah. But the real, like, it's obvious. It's one of the reasons why he can't build anything anymore. Because his own party, the people he ran for, raised the scrutiny so high on undocumented workers and were so against a visa program that would let, you know, short-term migrant workers come into the country because they'll stay and they're all brown and stuff um, that they're so against it. He couldn't sneak the workers in to make his pro his projects profitable. Oops. Oops. Yeah. They shot, they killed their own business model. It's hilarious. So um, by the way, Philip Bittner is going to be joining us um, at the, at the break, but I do want to, uh, you know, address a couple of things. I, I don't know if you know this, Johnny million, I may not. But uh, CBS is leaving Twitter. Yeah. Wow. They're, they've decided that since uh, they can't trust. And by the way, you, you want to know how how fast big. this it is big. It's also how slow the decision making process is at CBS, because I guarantee this decision was made during the um, the blue checkmark fiasco. Last, you know, week before last or last week, whenever it was, where you could buy for eight bucks, you could buy your 
checkmark. And so everybody was buying fake blue check marks and verification <laughs> didn't mean anything. And, and so you could buy, you know, like uh, Lockheed Martin lost money, um, the, uh, like it, a multitude of, of uh, government officials were spoofed in there as well. So they were like, okay, we got to get out of here before this CBS, the broadcasting service, by the way, some people were asking. Um, So the, you know, I think they made that decision the day of or the night that happened. Like, okay, if this is the way it is there, we can't afford this because somebody's going to pose as CBS News and it's going to be terrible. We got to get out. But it took it takes at that organization, it takes that long to work that way through the decision making thing to where they finally announced it after that policy had been rescinded. Um, But again, it's not a dumb move on behalf of, you know, like luckily Johnny, you and I are fine because we're not serious organizations. Not serious. Some, not, you know what I mean? Like, I I, it, I, feel like I can, you and I could both weather someone pretending to be us pretty well. Yeah, for a few minutes. Yep. For, yeah, at least a couple of days before yeah. we had to go, all right, all right. But uh, CBS News and other nor- news organizations are... Not at all like that. Yeah, no, so they can't. It's a, <laughs> they can't handle that. No, CBS comes out and says something. It's news. Yeah, C- CBS says the, the rigged and stolen election. <laughs> Donald right. Trump vindicated um, and posts a fake picture of the uh, the Hunter Biden fake laptop. Um, fairly hilarious. So. Um, Watch for more of that to happen, by the way. The, you know, will it be Mastodon? Will people just go back to Facebook, where I'm streaming right now, by the way, at the the Hal Sparks page, um, the official Hal Sparks page on there. It's just at Hal Sparks, at the Hal Sparks page on there. Because um, you had to pick a name and stick to it a long time ago, which is fine. Um, and then, you know, People have moved over to Instagram, which is not built for quick response and and broader conversations because it pockets the conversation under a picture. Um, And again, the business model of Twitter is not rocket science. It's status updates. That's all it is. It's what when Facebook launched status updates where you could do these little short messages that would show up in people's feeds Somebody, Jack Dorsey in particular, created a version of that. That's all it was. How about just that without all the other Facebook stuff? It was a a Jack Dorsey ripped off Facebook status updates. That's it. That's the entire. and, And I got news for you. That ain't hard to do. So somebody's going to come along with one that just kind of catches and off you go. Yeah, that's where everybody will go. And whether it's tribal, which I don't think so, because it sounds like the exact opposite name that people are trying to go for. That's the problem right now is tribalism, especially if you're trying to have a broader conversation. You know what I mean? Um, I, I really do. Tribal mistake. Bad name. Something something more fun. Twitter worked because it was goofy and and it was just, uh, you know, it was like it's calling something blurb. You know, and by the way, I would totally be on a site called Blurb. 
Um, is there probably is one, and it's probably awful. I should take that back. I, there, something's everything's on the internet, and a lot of it terrible. So I never say you'll be on an internet site and just make up a name because somebody already has and and attributed awfulness to it. Um, we got to take a break because we're right up against the bottom of that. If you're on Twitter, you can still follow me at House Barks and at Johnny Million. If you're not. YouTube, infotainmentwars.com. Go yeah. to the YouTube channel or to twitch.tv slash houseparks. There's a great com, uh, you know, group there. And if you're a Patreon supporter um, or a regular on the stream, you can join the, the Discord, which is its own little subgroup. That, you know, a little group has always hmm. been and always will until the end. So we'll be back right after these words from the news. I'm the news. Why don't they? Why don't they what the? I've had people walk out of me before, but not when I was being so charming. Video streaming at housefarms.com. Well, I don't care for you or for the people slug you're trowling out. Damn, us faithful pimpstick. True progressive talk. Might be a good time for you guys to give up. Look at that! It's a, that's a full that's a full on hey. check. That is the that is the lovely dulcet to- tones of Philip Bittner checking from uh, um, downtown Kiev. In uh, our, our, what's what is and uh, with Johnny Million, of course, uh, joining us is the House Park Radio Program, mega worldwide. And um, uh, so, Philip, give us the current state of where you are right now as a human being, because the chat always worries, and I always worry because we have all become your mother. Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, it's it, we're okay. Um, you, we're having power power outages. Mm-hmm. Um, we. We have these power outages all throughout the kind of center, uh, well, all throughout Kiev. Um, right. But they kind of are spotty depending on what substation you're connected to. So okay. right now I could have all my I could have all my lights on right now. But what I'm doing is running my, you know, my circle ring light off of a, of a power bank uh, as well as a phone that I'm connected to you on. Um, uh-huh. Because I don't want to, okay. I don't want to put any extra strain on the on the substation. So on the grid. I could have my lights on. I could, uh, yeah, exactly. So, um, but we're all trying to use as little electricity as possible because we sure, we don't sure. want to put a strain on things. Although, Lies. although um, the electricians, the the uh, civil engineers are doing an excellent job. Uh, I mean, a really top-notch, right. uh, you know, unsung heroes of this conflict. Uh, at the end, when this when this war is when the story of this war is told, they will they will be the ones that don't get the credit that they do that they yeah. really deserve because um, they it's not as exciting as you know the frontline stuff. But they right, right. they are they are out there working nonstop. They have provisions. They have. Uh, they have anticipated, uh, you know, uh, st- things that might blow because uh, of the um, it, another section might be exerted too hard. And so right. they, that will then blow another substation and that'll that'll go without power. So they're having to be very maneuverable and able to adapt uh, at a, a moment's notice. And they're they are preparing for it. now. Also, keeping in mind that. Ukraine's entire power grid is set up 
for this. It's set right. up because of because of the heavy winter. Um, there is mm. it's actually kind of a common thing to happen here, where mm-hmm. something will go, yeah. will you know, will will pop, and another. But the problem is because it's so widespread that right. they're now having to. It's like it's like if all the cracks in the dam uh, broke at once. You sure, can, you can stop one in a normal year. You can stop a crack. And, and deal with that down the road while, you know, the rest of the dam holds. But because the entire dam has got just so many cracks in it that they are, mm-hmm. that they're running around trying to just stick so many different plugs and different cracks. Right. That they're over, that they're overwhelmed. And that's what's happening. I'm not, I'm not saying a word. Yeah, um, I know. There's all I'm to, saying tons is, of double entendres there. Yes, there is. I'm, I'm in double entendre hell right now. But I'm just saying if yeah. we could do something about, if we could, Plug Johnny Million's damn crack sometimes. His cat could get some sleep. All right, right. so... Um, <laughs> thank you, yes. <laughs> so, um, we're exactly. never... It, but the, but yes. the word, we're, look, it's the snows have started. Winter is upon us. Uh, mm-hmm. Kiev is, is beautiful, blanketed in a lovely white blanket of snow, and it's nice right. and pretty, but it's cold. And it's going to this is going to be difficult. This is going to be very, very difficult. But there is absolutely absolutely no lack of uh, of um, endurance uh, from the people here. I mean, I was uh, yesterday I was in a store and the lights went out and we were all kind of we were uh, we were all lined up. We had everybody had their goods. They were ready to to check out. And the lights went boom out. And one woman, one woman kind of got angry about it. She was frustrated. She was like, there are so many people that are doing generators around the city so that in this, because we all know this is going to happen. Why doesn't right. this store have a generator that's ready to kick in? Right. And everybody else in the line, not meanly, nobody was like, ah, you know, get out of here, you. Uh, okay, it hey, was hey, more hey. like. Yeah, everybody was like, look, this isn't, this is, you know, look, we're all dealing with this. this is, you know, so yeah. they didn't have the money for a generator. Maybe they didn't have the generator hooked up correctly. Maybe the generator is at another branch of the store. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Let's just, let's just all try and get through this. And she, yeah. she grumbled a bit and she wasn't happy. She was clearly unhappy. Sure. But at the end of the day, she was like, mm, okay, yeah, yeah, all right, all right, you know. That's um, kind of how I see the general attitude in the city right now. Right. Obviously, there's a, a whole lot of stuff going on, not the least of which is the explosion in the St. Petersburg pipeline that happened crazy. today, last night, whatever. Oh, my God, yeah, the it's footage gigantic. Of that is crazy. The footage yeah. of that is crazy. And well, there's a lot going the, on. There's an awful yes. lot going on, as is yeah. usual for, for this point. Right. Well, that's that's what I was. The usual part of it was what really stuck out to me because I was saying to my girlfriend this morning, I was like, you know, this is in Russia. This is happening with some serious regularity. Mm -hmm. Giant power stations, giant. Because I I remember there was a um, a chemical plant. I believe it was in Texas that exploded maybe about 15 years ago. And it dusted the town with chemicals, and it was a big story about how it was poorly maintained and big investigation, changed a lot of the regulations of what's okay and what's not. Um, and and then I think, like, 
there was a, a transformer that went out and like near the TYT studios in Culver City, yeah. and and they blamed it on Democrats who run LA, which is hilarious. But the but like these are relatively small on the scale of as bad as the Texas explosion was, and as certainly annoying as the power going out because of a transformer blows is. It's not even on the scale of the fact that, like, you imagine a nuclear size explosion, because this was huge. I mean, it looks like a yeah. Moab explosion going yeah. off in your town, and then about six weeks later, another one doing it. Or yeah. Moscow. There's been like four of them. And you got to understand the importance of Petersburg. Petersburg. So the structure of Russia, and I don't want to bang on about this too much because, you know, this is pretty common knowledge, but Russia is not, despite its enormous size, there's really only a small part of it percentage-wise that is populated. And only mm-hmm. a small percentage of that is populated by any any city of any particular importance. And really, when it boils right down to it, it's Moscow and St. Petersburg, with the Katerinburg on the outlier and Sochi and a couple of yeah. other cities around. The, but it's really St. Petersburg and Moscow. So to have this massive explosion, uh, I'm trying to think if there would be an equi- – I guess it would be New York and L.A. Like if there was an explosion right. in Orange County – or or in or in the yes. valley, let's not even Orange right. County, right? Like in the valley, you know, yes. if if suddenly like like as you say, Culver City, but but not just a little like like an explosion, like a proper yes. mushroom cloud explosion. Like, a lot of people would be like, "What is going on? Something right. is very wrong here." Um, right. And that and that it, it's it's not only the fact that it blew up; it's not only the fact that it was so massive. It's the fact that it happened right on the second, the border of the second city of Russia. It really is. It's it. So, you know, it's, it's not only a, a blast that affected their um, their refining capabilities. It's not their their energy sector. Um, it's also the mental. It's the mental effect that that's going to have on the people of Russia. It's, it's, right. This stuff is not supposed to happen. Right. Um, and they're just they're they're getting. Bashed time and, and, and you know, right. it's repeatedly but, but, getting bashed with this idea the war it, is not going well. Right. But also on on their own soil by their own problems, because, again, mm-hmm. this this doesn't look like a, a, a soft strike. It could be, but it looks more like just, you know, they have abandoned sections of, you know, of, yep. of you know, infrastructure that need people. You know, running them because they need those men on the front line. So they just scooped guys up and they're like, I'm the temperature checker at five points along a, you know, this section of pipeline. That's my day job. And you're going to pull me from that and send me yeah. to to try and take, you know, you know, a, a chunk of the Dnipro. Like, get out of here. So um, yeah. and by the way, yesterday, the uh, day before yesterday. Russia issued its largest single day debt, um, like cash infusion, money printer go burr moment for the ruble in its history. A, and, and did it specifically to increase military spending, which, you know, in a real world would devalue your currency immeasurably because it's doubling what you've done. Um, it is effectively a version of cutting your interest rate while they, they've been raising interest rates, but then printing the money anyways, which is really nuts. Um, and that they're going to uh, 
the spending for 2023 on the military is going to be double what it was last year in 2021 mm-hmm. leading up to this. So anybody who thinks it's time to talk to Russia and that they're going to be a fair partner in this um, is insane because if they spent that much money leading into a war, they thought they were going to win. And they're like, we would like to talk for a little while and just simmer things down and go back to where we were so that we can spend double what we're spending on the military for the next shot. Yeah, I mean, it's madness. It is. Yeah, it, it's, it's madness. It's also madness for us to think because the Ukrainians know the Russians better than anybody on the planet. Right. They, they, we do not study the We study uh, uh, no, dozens of different potential adversaries o- across the globe. Right. The Ukrainians they know have that their one. primary adversary, they have one. Right. And they were tied at the hip to them for centuries. So they know their enemy very well. I saw this thing yesterday about. Uh, Poroshenko, apparently, so the previous pri- uh, the pre- previous president um, of mm. Ukraine during right. the 2014 period, 2014 when the invasion happened into the Donbass and Crimea was seized, um, they started. Despite the Minsk agreement, the Ukrainians right. started building up their military, and there was a guy who was a Putin apologist, and he came out with this argument that, well, see, the Ukrainians were always like belligerent. They were expecting war. You know, they were building up their military industrial complex. And my response was, well, yeah, of course, because they knew that the Russians were not going to stop with the Donbass. This was that they always knew from 2014 on until today. They always knew that the Russians were never going to just let them go. This is the most important colony that Russian, the, the Russian Empire ever had, the Soviet Empire ever had, and they are not it's just their going window. to say, oh, well, okay. Think and how it, hard yeah. it was. Think how hard it was for the British Empire to let go of uh, Ireland or for right. the French Empire to let go of, say, Algeria. Um, mm-hmm. And those were relatively, and I know I could get in trouble for this, but those were comparatively benevolent empires when it came to the way they they kind of controlled you know somebody from india or ireland it might or algeria or morocco might take umbrage yeah. with that but sure. compared to what the russians do there's no comparison right. i mean sure. they slaughter entire populations there's a story a guy told me about when he was learning a ukrainian musical instrument about um it because it gave identity to ukrainians that was separate from uh, the russians they gathered them all together in kharkiv in the 1930s and said we're going to have a concert of ukrainian traditional music they gathered them all in together in a music hall and slaughtered them now the irish mm-hmm. and then the the brits and the and the french did a whole bunch of nasty stuff during their period of empire but i can't ever recall anything like that happening so the ukrainians knew who the Russians were, and they knew that they would eventually be coming right. here. And so they have been preparing for it for years. And to, for us to now say, just make peace, we'll figure out the, the, you know, the details of it later, and just, you know, we'll make some sort of special agreement with Donbass. The, the, the Ukrainians are going, no, 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 you don't understand. Yeah. If we don't, if we do not reci- decisively beat the, the Russians, they will come back. They will yeah. keep coming back we have to, unless we send them packing. We have, we have, a, we have to take a break. Uh, we're a little bit o- over that part. But I, I want to discuss a little bit of that um, because it seems that the cries for make peace with Russia, the, the Skeksis um, of the interwebs that are crawling, calling for make peace, all those folks 
seem to raise their voices when Russia gets hit the worst. When Russia's on its heels, then it's time to just right, let's call it let's call it off. They're 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 on their heels. They haven't left yet. They haven't. They let them keep what, some of what they had, you know, um, and uh, that that's enough. If they're on their heels, instead of letting it continue until they break. The Russian, the Ukrainians have to break on their behalf. It's it's so striking. We'll be back right after this. Yeah. I know I'm only on one day a week. I get it. I'm going to have to jump on uh, GarageBand and start sawing something together. This is the house bar show. And then a guitar note. And then progressive. And all that. Yeah, it's going to be good. Hey, how? Did you mean something like this? This is the house bar show. And then a guitar note. And then progressive. And all that. Yeah, it's going to be good. The house parks radio program. Mega worldwide. Yeah, it's going to be good. It is. It's totally going to be good. Phil Bittner is still with us, and we we got carried away. So we short this this next segment is uh, kind of a short one. But we were talking during the break that it you know uh, or like and before that about how it seems like the you know what we let's uh, peace talks peace talks immediately peace talks we got to get peace talks. It really comes up anytime it's clear that the Ukrainians are making progress and the Russians are starting to get their butt kicked in a serious way. It happened when Kharkiv was taken back. It, it you know, and anytime that when it happened right after the Russians were driven out of Kiev, um, you know, are driven back from Kiev. Um, and it's happening now that they took Kherson. They took the, you know, everything east of the or west of the Dnipro River and more. And now that that's happening, oh my God! The, you know, Christina Vandenhuvel, uh, the Hugel, um does this article like now is the time. If there's ever been a time, it's now. Um, no, actually, well, if Milley, it looks like the General Milley has right, also right. indicated that. Right. Well, also here's the thing: the military guys, I think, have a uh, a reason. To overtly call for peace talks and we'll, we'll, okay, we'll talk now. We'll talk. Let's come to the table. It won't be on your terms because you're on the back foot. That would be Millie's reasoning. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, and and yet on the, uh, in reality, we're still giving them the arms that they need and we're still continuing to support them. And NATO just upped their, um, you know, what the European countries, not technically NATO, NATO countries that are just EU countries, whatever, are giving more stuff as well. And we also um, did a the U.S. did a twenty million dollar grain for Ukraine um, uh, payment this week as well to help the the growth and shipment of grain out of there to protect you know hunger in the third world um, that would directly be the cause of this. So, anyways, um, catch us up too on you know on on the world according to Itner that's that's going on you know. Yeah. Around there, yeah. Well, well, there's uh, just to finish just briefly with the, yeah. the last couple of points about that, and then we will move on because you can you can bang on yeah. about this for a long time. But there's two things about it. One, I, uh, there's a comparison that's being made by an awful lot of people about like how World War II came about because we did not march into Berlin at the end of World War One. We and so mm-hmm. the, the the Germans didn't feel the effect of actually really being defeated. So they're like, we weren't defeated. We were betrayed. 
Um, right. They never had the decisive defeat that the population needed to see so that they didn't come back and, and try have again. grievances right. and try it again. And then there's the other thing about it, which is I think a lot of people who are very and, – and, and there are lots of people who are very – they they're very knowledgeable about Russia, and I think they recognize as as a, as many of us do, and myself included, is that I don't think this is the crisis. I don't think this war is the crisis. The war is already done. The war, in many ways, is already done. It's just a matter mm-hmm. of time. Russia is going right. to lose this war. Yeah. But the 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 real question is, and the folks who who watch and learn about Russia uh, deeply, is that what happens after? This is going to be a fundamental crisis for Russia. This will shake them to their very core about who they are, about what their identity is. They are no longer going to see themselves through the prism of of empire because they will not have empire anymore. This war is not the crisis. This war is bad. This war is difficult and and it's, it's horrific. But the real crisis is going to come when, they, when a, a, a federation of, of countries that has been bound together under the dominance of Moscow, many of whom have nuclear weapons on their territory, now have to reassess who they are and who their sense of identity is. And the right. possible fragmentation of the Russian Federation is going to be a really risky, dangerous period. So Agreed. this is bad. But when Russia loses this war, which it inevitably will do, the question, the crisis will be, what does that mean for the Russian Federation? And right. I think a lot of people recognize that and they're scared of it. So they're like, just let's let's figure out a piece that everybody can agree to. And we'll go back to mm-hmm. some sort of like marginal status quo. Well, I argue that that's not possible. My perspective yeah. is this is a long time coming. The Russian Empire expanded way too quickly. It is way too unwieldy. It's much larger than it can be managed. Right. And, and moving forward into the 21st century, they're going to have to reassess who they are, not only in their sense of, of identity, but also just structurally. It doesn't function. The, the country only functions because all the power is, is, is under the thumb of Moscow. So we're, right. we're, this is just getting started. And as much as people would love to put, let's go back to something else, it's just not going to happen. We are forging a new right. future. Sorry, Hobbit. Well, and, uh, no, that's okay. It, like, even if they got a piece of Ukraine, it would be the only healthy part of their entire country, and they still got all the el- elements of economic collapse that they've been building forever underneath all this stuff that's not going anywhere and their relationship with china which they were like we have a friendship without limits remember that this, earlier this spring well it's got a lot of limits and apparently mm-hmm. um it wasn't just the turkish ambassador or the turkish prime minister that that castigated um putin so did she on one of their phone calls so um recently this is not mm-hmm. going well for them because what it is is it, you, the Ukraine war, their invasion of Ukraine makes it harder for for China to justify Taiwan mm-hmm. because it brings people's attention to sovereign countries that aren't technically run on top of, you know, run on the, you know, because and it's a little different because Ukraine used to be part of the USSR. Taiwan has never been under the CCP. The Chinese Communist Party of China only runs mainland China. It eventually took over uh, and reclaimed Hong Kong, but it still technically doesn't run that place. It's just been muddier because that's who the agreement was with. But Taiwan was always a separate country, just 
ethnically under the envelope of China in terms of how the rest of the world saw it back when China was impoverished and and burnt down, essentially. And Russia is going back to that kind of time where Ukraine is its Taiwan in that it's wholly independent now. It doesn't need it at all. And it is more advanced and will continue to advance beyond the level that the country is uh, capable of while Russia and China collapse in on each other. It's that's a that's a gnarly aspect of Kazakhstan and all these other countries that want to be a little more like the Saudis. They want to be rich oil and gas crowds, you know, um, like or, or like. But it also cra- it also it, yeah. it also is going to call into question their sense of identity because Russia's yeah. Russians sense of identity is very much tied into the sense of Russia as an empire. And so for the right. first time in centuries, that's going to disappear. And just like the Brits had to reassess who they are on the global stage in the post-imperial period, the Russians are going to have to do the same thing. And I am concerned that they will not right. handle it even remotely as well as the Brits or the French did. So this is just getting started. Right. The interesting thing is, what are they going to do with it? What are they going to, you know, like it, it doesn't matter at a certain point. If you don't have the means and wherewithal to push back, all you got to do is grumble and hate. And they've still got they could still cause trouble. They could be a troll farm. They could cyber attack the world into a seizure if they wanted to, even if they don't end up building their military back. And that might be their fallback. That might be the only fallbacks that they become a rogue cyber state that is just hell bent on destroying the SWIFT system and uh, everything else so that, you know, hospitals in the in the West shut down. We got to take a break. We'll be back right after this. It's the Alice Mark Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Johnny Million is farming uh, um, sure questions yeah. in our chat for yeah. Philip will answer them on the other side. Yes, please. They're all very sexy. Oh, look out. Hey. This is Damian Perdue of Think Theory Radio, Saturdays at 6 p.m. You're listening to House Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Uh, I thought there was going to be like a new one every break. I was so excited. You want more, Hal? We'll give you more. House Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCBT 820. Hoo-yah! So, um, you know, currently, and we'll, you know, you know, we'll go over some of this too. Uh, you know, Philip, as we go forward, but they're like currently, the the only target Russia seems to have inside Ukraine, oddly enough, it's not Crimea, it's not the Dnipro, it's not pushing back into Kharkiv, it's not even getting the Belarusians to come into Kiev again. It's Bakhmut, right Bakhmut. dead center. Yeah. And they've been this is the meat grinder of the whole thing. The claimed and unclaimed and reclaimed territory like map of that looks like cuts of meat on a cow. It's these little like circles that get taken and it's and it's horrifying because like in in three of the battles that I've like been researching and looking at, the Russians lost 800 guys in one. Ukrainians lost nobody in these. I would like to remind you. They don't. I mean, they're they're using artillery to protect Um, 600 in another battle and at least 200 crossing a river. That's yeah, I talked I was I was at a I was at a um, I was at a function last night, a kind of a cocktail party kind of thing with a bunch of 
different, different. These are well, conflict zones always get a little bit weird. So they're like NGOs, and then there were guys oh, yeah. from well, diplomatic all missions. All those pictures of World War Two, where they secure, get around a piano and start singing patriotic songs and drinking. Yeah, you know, it's, whatever it's, the it's local Casablanca. It's Casablanca right. with this mishma- mishmash of like guys that all have their fingers in one pie or another. Right. Anyhow, I I stuck a stuck up a conversation with a guy who just came back from Bakhmut, and he said the thing that really struck him about Bakhmut was the fact that the Russians just, they came running across an open field. They just were, were just running at the, the Ukrainian positions. And the Ukrainians didn't have to do anything. All they had to do was just fire artillery. They were yeah. running across open field. Right. Running at Ukrainian positions. And the Ukrainians just went, well, okay, if that's how you want to die, then we'll kill you. And they right. did. I mean, it was it's it's it, the guy who I spoke to, who was a Australian uh, security officer, and he said he'd never seen anything like it in his life. He was like the just the futility of running in open fields when when artillery was raining down on them was just he couldn't believe it. And so mm-hmm. yeah, they just cop. they sent right. Yeah, it is in a lot of yeah. ways. It's like suicide by cop. It's it's just this willingness to just. Throw yourself into the meat grinder, and again, uh, somebody else at the at the event was over, you know, in, involved with the conversation. He said, "Yeah, they're just, you know, they're just cannon fodder." And I said, "Well, actually, you know, in Russian, the the saying the saying is cannon meat, which I think kind of tells you the uh, difference between you know, there's cannon fodder, and then the the Russian translation is literally cannon meat. Uh, they just, you know, they're just they they are their only military doctrine is we have a lot of artillery." We have a lot of soldiers. Those are the, and the fact that they don't even have um, uh, air supremacy right now. That there right. are still Ukrainian helicopters and bomber jets uh, flying right now yeah. is astounding Bizarre. to me. The first thing, the first thing that any NATO nation does when they enter into a conflict is try to control the skies because yeah. it's such an overwhelming asset. That and you, remember, you remember the, skies, the big conversation. Yeah, the big else. conversation at the beginning was NATO needs to help us control the skies. NATO, like, and there was a big thing about we're not going to set our planes in there because we're not going to put them up against Russians and trigger World War Three and all that kind of stuff. And ultimately, the irony is we didn't have to. Russia turned yeah. out to be so terrible at this that they 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 gave away air dominance. I mean, there's no other way to really describe it. They there's that it was their battle to lose. Um, let's let's answer some of the questions that Johnny has for but you. You're too, very but. right. But yeah. you're very right. Bakhmut, Bakhmut is turning out to be a, a an essential battle. And we'll we'll see how it shakes down. But I think it, the Ukrainians are because they just keep throwing it at Bakhmut and they keep getting repulsed. So. Right. Anyhow, questions, Johnny. What do you yeah. got? So what is the mood in Kiev and Ukraine? I'm sorry, this is from Eric. Uh, What's the mood in Kiev and Ukraine now that train service has been reopened between Kiev and Kherson? The the fact that train service is restored to Kherson is amazing. It is such a morale boost. Pardon me. It is I don't know if you saw the video of it, of the first train from Kiev to Kherson uh, coming yes. into the Kherson station, and people were openly weeping. Yeah. They had gathered together at a train station, like those old 1930s kind of newsreels that you saw. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and, and it was, you know, people 
weeping because it was this reestablishment of their connection to the rest of Ukraine. Um, so the, it was, it's been a massive morale boost. Um, the fact that electricity has been restored to the uh, Kherson uh, railway station in order to facilitate those trains coming back, that, that's also a, a major boost. But, yeah, no, morale is high, but with the understanding that we are still facing a very tough period ahead of us. So yep. it's a mixed bag, um, but generally morale is high. Um, on a related note, by the way, to trains, uh, the uh, Chinese high-speed rail uh, into Shanghai, um, a huge check, a section of train and, and the transformers that power the whole thing, which are not like the little ones on the end of your block but are gigantic, uh, exploded. And nobody was killed because nobody was in the train, allegedly, according to the Chinese government, which the rest of the plane, train was packed. But for some reason, the two cars that blew up had no one in them, um, which I totally believe. And um, the the transformer itself was sending out so much electricity because it ran the whole maglev run of this train that it looked like something out of a Godzilla movie. It was shocking the sky. Um, so anyways, uh, good train news. Bad uh, one, one, uh, last qu- one last quick thing yeah. about the train system, the railway system within Ukraine. I've seen a lot of people yeah. saying, uh, again, those who are rooting for a Russian victory here saying, aha, you see, uh, the railway system is reliant on electricity. And if the electrical grid goes down, they won't be able to move their trains around and they won't be able to move, you know, people or munitions. Well, yes mm-hmm. and no, that's that's true. But. Um, the Ukrainians are well aware of that, and they are bringing out of mothball. And uh, this is really kind of interesting. Uh, like like everything, coal-powered uh, railway trains, uh, even mm-hmm. steam trains are being uh, rehabilitated. They, they, it's not like the Ukrainians aren't anticipating this. So even if the electrical yes. grid does go down and it does affect the electrical railway system, they are preparing for that and there are contingency plans. It will not be perfect. It will not be a one-to-one ratio replacement, but it's not like they're preparing for that. So, you know, the the electrical system going down is not going to stop rail in this country. Um, Excellent. Okay, next question, real quick. Uh, From Nacho Tube, do they have tacos in Ukraine? Oh, yeah, they do. They're not nearly as good, but yeah, they do. Sure, they do. All right, uh, it's like Midwestern well. sushi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like it's like sushi in a Midwestern restaurant. It's uh, I mean, you get you take what you can get. Um, what, I got a buddy one. of mine who runs got a buddy of mine who runs a Mexican restaurant in San Francisco. I keep trying to tell him when the war is over, come on over here and and, and we'll kill. branch out. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I so for Jennifer Kasham in the chat. Um, can what can ordinary American mortals do to help? Is there a particular a particular charity aimed at keeping Babusi warm? There's tons of stuff out there. Um, try and find a reputable one. Uh, go to a Ukrainian based uh, uh, charity group. Um, it's not hard to find, but do try and make sure that it's connected to a Ukrainian organization on the ground here. Okay. Uh, international I, groups are reputable, Red Cross, and all the rest of it, but try and find somebody that is on the ground here doing something. And and no one's – it's terrible that I don't have this just on a cheat sheet. I should. But it's yeah. it, it's not hard to find. Do just, it. Do, just do it. You'll do it very, very quickly. You'll find something. There are aid groups. There are – 
go to the I international have legion. I have a recurring thing that shows up in my chat uh, that I put in there through um, uh, the like like restream and, and tweet like all these different streaming services I use are all trying to help so they give you the option to try and tweet stuff out and there's a link that will pop up it comes up very regularly in my chat especially on uh, you know on Twitch but you should also see it on YouTube that gives you a link that you can go to that helps you parse out how you can help so yeah I that that re- that regularly goes through my uh, live stream chat here and during the weekly show so in case you want to know yeah Okay. Uh, let's grab one. Um, let's grab one more. We got a minute for yeah. a break. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so Edge 3D Tech. This is kind of a biggie. Can you ask Philip if the loss of soldiers is higher than we think? On the Ukrainian on side, sides. on both sides, um, uh, I would say that it is not. Uh, I, I would say that it's even worse on the Russian side than we know. But but yeah. it's bad on the Russian side. I would say the Ukrainians are definitely understating their losses for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's not as publicly known, but I would suspect highly that the Ukrainians have lost a lot more soldiers than they're letting on. However, having said that, um, the Ukrainians uh, have a deeper sense of resilience to as horrible as it is to take casualties. They know this is an existential threat, so they are willing willing is the wrong word. They can sustain uh, a percentage larger than the Russians can, but the Russians right. are taking dozens and dozens of thousands, hundreds of over a hundred thousand, uh, no doubt in my mind, have been killed or wounded in this war on the Russian side. On the Ukrainian side, I would bet you it's it's in the high tens, you know, sixty to eighty. Maybe. I don't know. That's a guess off the top of my head, because, again, the Ukrainians are being so restrictive in that. But again, but but they are they know that this is this is it. This is everything for them. So they can they can, as horrible as it is, sustain more um, casualties right. than the Russians can. Except the okay, Russians. Let's take a break. <laughs> right. Uh, let's break. take a break. And we'll. And then we'll come back after this, and then we'll have a few more minutes with uh, Philip Bender. You're listening to the House Park Radio. And program. I will get you an Mega Worldwide. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, we'll have one on the way on the other side. We'll be back right after this. I am happy. You are happy. Let us be happy together. Whether the weather is cloudy or sunny, I will always be a funny honey bunny. I am lucky. You are lucky. Let us get lucky together. Whether the weather is cloudy or breezy, I'll be there to say, hey, come on, let's take it easy. Because isn't it nice to have the friends that you do? And isn't it nice that the sky is so blue? And isn't it nice to say I love you? Chugga, chugga, choo, choo, woo, woo. I am smiling, you are smiling, let us smile together, whether the weather is cloudy or stormy, I will still be there in the morning, I'll be right by your side in the morning, I'll make you breakfast in the morning, I hope that you like cereal. Yay! (laughs) Yay! Yay! So, uh, Yay. Um, yeah. So we've only got a, a little time for a few more questions because okay. we. All right. Well, I real think, quickly, yeah. real quickly, yeah. there is a, this is a good there's part for the group, there, There's a good group uh, that I am. Uh, I've been in contact with the head of it. Irwin Redliner is a, a doctor who run a, 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 a pediatric uh, a trauma center. He has started the Ukraine Children's Action Project again. The Ukraine Children's Action Project, and it, it, it emphasizes helping children who have been victims of this war one way or the other. I can personally account that that is a reputable group that is doing 
doing very good work. I know the mm-hmm. director of, of operations out in uh, Lviv. She was one of my first um, fixers, and I actually recommended her to uh, Irwin, uh, Dr. Redliner. Uh, I can attest to th- that that if your money is sent there, then it will go to, to, a, good, to a good cause. So mm-hmm. the Ukraine Children's Action Project. That's under the EIF Foundation, uh, EI Foundation. Uh, so, let's see, yeah. Ukraine Children's Action Project is a new initiative designed to provide urgent mental health and education support to Ukrainian children who are either refugees in Poland or internally displaced. And mental in health is country. going to be essential. Mental yeah. health, really, you know, the scars are not just physical. They, it's it's right. a good organization. I recommend it highly. So right. anyhow, okay, that's cool. the, I, so just following up for, so we get another 10 minutes or so here left, right? Yes, we do. Yep, Go for it. So, so this might be too broad. This is from Templeton Zeret. Um, but can we ask Phil about how the tactics will change with the onslaught of winter? What should we expect? Uh, I think things will slow, but they will not stop. I think people who think that there will be a massive pause in operations uh, are incorrect. I think that things are going to continue because the Ukrainians don't want to give the Russians a pause. They just want to keep the heat on the Russians constantly. They can't wait for the conscripts that are going to be brought up, even though the conscripts are worthless in so many ways and, and, and are just cannon fodder or cannon meat. Um, there's, mm-hmm. It's still 300,000 men in the theater of operations. It's going to change things. So um, they're going to keep the heat on, and they're not going to stop. Uh, they're going to keep pressing their pressing their advantage. They're going to keep driving towards Crimea. They're going to they're once Bak- once Russia breaks its back uh, on Bakhmut, they're going to try and press into maybe split that that section of supply and the 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 shortest mm-hmm. period the, the shortest space between Russia and Ukraine is kind of that area. So they might try and split things in two. But mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to significantly – I don't think it's going to s- slow down um, to to the kind of just status quo kind of slow burn that a lot of people think it, it's going to be. I think the Ukrainians are going to keep the – I think yeah. the, the Ukrainians are going to keep pushing hard. And I think that we are going to – and I've given a lot of thought to this in the last couple of weeks is I think we're going to have to start thinking – very soon about so there have been stages of what the ukrainians have asked for from nato um and allied supporters from the west first they asked for anti-tank weapons and we supplied it in the terms of javelins and in-laws and and those kind of weapon systems then they asked they asked for anti-aircraft uh and anti-ballistic missile systems and we gave that to them um They've asked for, you know, artillery when it was an artillery duel. There have been different phases where they've asked for different things. I can I can foresee, and I will defer to mm-hmm. military experts who are far smarter about this stuff than me, but I, I have been around the block once or twice and seen my sh- fair share of conflict. I think the next thing the Ukrainians are going to desperately in, be in need for is close air support so that, because yeah. their, their military is going to be pressing the advantage against the infant, the, the armor and the infantry of the Russians. And so they will need 
um, air support because he can't do it with artillery. That's too dangerous. You got to have mm-hmm. close air support. So, you know, uh, they have tried to mothball the A-10s for years. Why don't we give them a bunch of A-10s? Or, you know, give them, if we don't want to give them a NATO system like an A-10, give them the, the, the hind helicopter that, uh, right. used to give, give John Rambo so much trouble in those movies. Um, that's right. Uh, but, you know, close air support, I think, will be the next thing that the Russia, that the Ukrainians are going to need from us. And I think we should already start anticipating that. Well, I know I know that there are uh, helicopters coming from both uh, Poland. Yes, and there are. I, I want to say Germany, but it might be French ones. No, it's Poland, uh, Poland and Germany. Yeah, Poland and Germany are both sending helicopter stuff. Poland sending the actual helicopters and Germany sending techs and other people to you know get them flying and get them trained up on the guys yeah that's another thing they're going to need that's another thing that they're going to need and already people are talking a lot about this is that we need to get to a situation where the ukrainians are able to repair what gets damaged in battle without having to send it all the way back there's a large country yes sending stuff back that needs repair all the way back to poland or even western ukraine is not feasible we need to have we need to set the ukrainians up with with repair stations and with um, uh, supplies that can aid to the repair of damaged uh, equipment and weapon systems much closer to the front line. So that's another mm-hmm. thing that I think we can anticipate the Ukrainians asking for, and we should already be. Uh, and I know that we are. Oh, there goes my. Oh, no, it's coming back. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, my light went out there. Uh, anyhow, that's the next thing. We should anticipate it. We right, got a couple right. minutes more. We can do. We yeah. can do maybe one or two more questions. Hal, yeah. Uh, here's know. a shorty from Doctor Thirteen. What is that poster behind you? Oh, that's. Oh, that's my lovely. Oh. That's Saint. That's uh, Saint Olga. Olga. That's uh, yeah. That is uh, Saint Olga. Olga who is a Fantastic story. Wonderful we story. Told it once before, yeah. And if you want yeah. to see a wonderful rendition of it, look up Puppet History's take on it, which is both funny and uh, accurate and gruesome. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a wonder. She's an amazing story. Uh, and yeah. the the assignment says, "Vuspukaitya Bayraktari, unleash the Bayraktars," and you see all the <laughs> Turkish military the drones flying over. Right. Yeah, over over his head there. So. We yeah. got time for got another. We got another. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. The um, oh, Connie Kelly wants to know if you have read the accidental superpower or the end of the world just beginning, which seems to predict this war. Oh, Zion's I've heard book. about it. I didn't read it. Yeah, I, read, I, I, I heard about it. I haven't read it. I've read both of them. Uh, it's not so much that he predicted the war uh, so much as that he predicted the problems that Russia has. And pointed out that there's really only two ways out. And and the one that Russia is most likely to choose is the awful one because they have a history of doing that. So the, it's it's one of those things like there's a, there's a we're all marching towards a hole. There's you could try to jump over it. You could try to go around it or you could push a bunch of people in and walk over them. Russia's habit is to handle the problem of the whole by pushing everybody in and walking on their backs, unfortunately. So it's not like the the war was predicted, simply that you can look at this person and their solution matrix and know that that's all that's left. But it's a great book. Yep. The end of the world is just beginning. That's science, that's science new book. Yeah. 
It's and, great and, on audio. Owen, there's a there's a great uh, author and one of the best correspondents on Russian affairs. Owen Matthews has just come out with a book. Uh, he is the Times of London's correspondent, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. in Moscow for many years. I'm looking forward to reading that. Uh, Owen Matthews, yeah. I would look that up. Yeah. What do you got, Johnny? Yeah. All right. We got so, one more. Oh, this is interesting. Then we'll close it out. Do you know if Ukrainian yeah. people have ever seen the original Red Dawn? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. At the beginning of the war, they had Wolverines painted on uh, yeah. a bunch of like uh, Russian uh, APCs oh, that they awesome. blew, you know, that they blew up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like they, yeah, they so, tagged them after the see. fact. Um, oh, Don squeeze out one quick one. How cold does it get yeah, in the winter? How long is the winter? The winters last very long. They're going to probably go into uh, into February. They get bitterly cold. They already are bitterly cold. It's comparatively mild, but it's still really, really cold. And the snows just keep continuing. So this is going to be hard. Uh, Ukraine is going to have to really, uh, you know, toughen up. And, well, not toughen up, but they're going to have to go through this. And it's going to be yeah. difficult. It's cold. It's really cold. I'm cold right now. <laughs> Yeah, but thankfully, so is, thankfully, so is, I've got so is Johnny. So am yeah, I, I'm and I'm in Vegas. Similar to Chicago. It's similar to Chicago or the UP or Canada. It yeah. gets bitterly cold. Also, uh, Tom Hebert on the way out the door wants to know if you have Hunter Biden's laptop, because we've been looking all over. And uh, um, Philip, do you have it there? Is it around? Are we, I, you know. I'll, I'll ask Olga if she can find it for us. Yes, thank you. I think she might have blown it up at some point just to cover the tracks uh, behind her. Okay, we're running out of time. So this is the last minute of the show. Yeah, that's right. Philip, thanks thank everybody. you so much. Uh, if we'll I don't see, see you uh, before then, happy Thanksgiving. Exactly. Uh, I'll we'll see you on Wednesday, hopefully. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll do a pickup show then. Um, I will be traveling that day, but we'll manage to have it. Johnny Million, love you. Follow, uh, you for the time being, hey, follow Philip Bittner. Skinner for me tonight. Oh, I will, uh, if she wants fan. to hear from me. I, we're debating, so I don't know if she'll want to even. Maybe she's in character. Anyways, uh, I, will, I will do just that. Uh, tonight, the unpresidential debate on, my YouTube, on, on all sites. We'll see you later. Take care of yourself and take care of somebody else. And Slava Ukraine. Thank you, Chicago. Also, Marjorie Taylor Greene's plan will go nowhere. <laughs>